Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. ESPN Stephen Holder going to join us in just a second. Reminder, Colts and Browns, all that pregame coverage right by Lucas Oil. JMV's got you at 9 a.m. Uh, then all the way up until kickoff, all the play-by-play and the postgame. It's all right here on The Fan, your home for the Colts. And obviously the Colts have been the huge story, the rough game on Sunday, getting ready for Cleveland. Then in between all the Anthony Richardson stuff uh, and then on top of the Anthony Richardson stuff, the Grover Stewart stuff coming down yesterday as well. Well, let's jump to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen Holder joins us from ESPN. Stephen, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm kind of tired now that you mention it with all the stuff going on. So, <laughs> well, I told I told KB when I took the job here uh, that JMV says there was always something with the Colts, and I was like, well, uh, I'll have to. Uh, we'll see if that happens this season, and no doubt the last few days has lived up to that. And you had so much good reporting with Jim Irsay there on the Anthony Richardson stuff. We were going to lead with that. We'll get to that stuff, but obviously the big news yesterday: uh, Grover Stewart pop six games. He is going to be out. Uh, anything else you could add to the story? If nothing else, what is your reaction as one of the best players on this Colts defense not going to be there and uh, important games coming up for this Indianapolis team? Well, I, like everyone else, I was pretty surprised by it. I mean, you never see those things coming. You know, you generally, you rarely at least, have a very little um, clue that those those PED suspensions or, or the suspensions of that kind are coming down. They just kind of come out of nowhere after they're appealed or adjudicated, and then boom, here they go. Anyway, I, I think it's a huge hit, and, and that's the the big takeaway. I mean, that's not breaking news. I think everyone knows that, but but I I think it's a bigger hit than people may even realize. You know what is what what's happened. Uh, to the interior of the defense, when when they're not at full strength, there have been a couple of games where, for example, DeForest Buckner was was not himself and and was playing through injuries, and that had a very clear impact on the interior of the defensive line. And I think the same will apply here. You know, they they have a, I think a pretty big drop off in talent level at that interior spot, those two interior spots behind. Buckner and Grover Stewart. So this is going to be a big hit. And Cleveland, by the way, even without Chubb, who's been hurt, I believe, since week one or two, uh, even without Chubb, they're still running the ball pretty effectively. And so that's going to be an issue for the Colts on Sunday because that is certainly Grover Stewart's specialty is stopping the run. Steven, just one more from me on on Grover. Uh, Do you think this impacts his contract extension possibility for next season? Again, in a contract year, he did get extended in season back in 2020. Obviously, we saw Jonathan Taylor a couple weeks ago. You know, if I would have woken up yesterday and you would have said, hey, Grover Stewart's getting a three-year extension, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. You think this impacts that at all? I did wonder. I I thought about it. I I don't know that answer. I I don't think it's uh, it's a slam dunk that this is going to be a problem for him. 
I, I do think that having built up some some you know credibility with the Colts over the years will help him. You know, if he were a guy who kind of maybe just got here, it, it may affect his status more. Just my guess, and it is only a guess. My my guess is that you know he he has enough history that maybe they can overcome this, and, and maybe it won't impact him terribly. But but certainly, you know, in in the art of negotiation, everything matters. You know, so let's not pretend like it won't come up. <laughs> I'm sure it will. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't think it's going to be necessarily the end-all be-all, but I, I definitely think it comes up. And Stephen Holder's with us here from ESPN. Obviously, we saw the story late on Monday night, and that was Jim Irsay telling Stephen that Anthony Richardson is probably headed for surgery and probably that means his season is over. I'm still nothing, uh, you know, 1,000% confirmed on that decision just yet. Um, I guess let's start here, Stephen. Anything else to add from what we read on Monday and maybe what, if any, the storyline has shifted in the last 36 hours? Yeah, I think the uh, well, a couple of things. Number one, I, if, if anyone wants to see it, uh, I just tweeted out uh, another story, which is really what I was talking to Jim Mercy about originally, is about just sort of the the link here between Andrew Luck and and Anthony Richardson in terms of how these injuries will be dealt with. Now, this is not to to sort of rehash history and say they screwed up with Andrew Luck's shoulder. That's not what happened. I mean. Andrew Luck kind of – you could argue Andrew Luck might have cut some corners with that shoulder, and that might be where the issue really lies. I mean, ultimately, he drove the decisions behind that. Now, should someone have said to him, hey, let's get this surgery done. You're wrong. This is the wrong way to do this. I don't think it was necessarily that clear cut. I think it was more of a, a nebulous – decision maybe you know a 50 50 kind of thing was it to get surgery but here's the bottom line andrew luck hurt his labrum in week three of 2015 he missed two games and he played three weeks later and threw for 300 yards against the patriots okay hooray great they they lost a close game to the patriots it wasn't worth it is my point and so here what you have is an organization is saying not no, but hell no. We're never doing that again. Mm-hmm. And and I'm telling you, I, everyone from Jim Mercy on down is repeating that. And so, obviously, Anthony Richardson, if there's a decision to be made, ultimately it's up to him and his team to decide, you know, whether surgery is the right move. But But they're handling this truly in conjunction with each other. That is what I have been told, and I have no reason to doubt that anyone will have any kind of disagreement on how they proceed here. This is not about 2023, and it should not be about 2023. What kind of timeline? Like, I wake up uh, every morning, or I guess before I go to bed, uh, you had the story about 9 o'clock. What was it, two nights ago? Like, at any point here, should we just get the the notice, the story, the tweet from you or somebody, Stephen, that, that he's going to take the surgery and be out the season? What kind of timeline are, do you think we're working with here? Yeah, good question. So I think – I don't think it would be like necessarily today. I what, what I've been told is that, well, first of all, Ursay said, you know, maybe a, a, a little more than a week or so, you know, whether that's the actual timeline to, to go under the knife or whether that's the timeline to actually, you know, come to a determination, I, I, I think he was a little unclear, to be frank. But the point is, 
I think about a week or so is, is probably what we're thinking, what we're looking at. Now, let me tell you what's happening. There are, there are numerous doctors that are talking with the Colts every single day. You know, you have the, I believe the Texas Rangers doctor, uh, orthopedist, the, I believe the New York Mets orthopedist is involved in this as well. Uh, so you, and, and including that's in conjunction with the Colts own doctors who deal with them every day. So they're not leaving this in the hands of just, you know, one or two people. This is a, they're casting a very wide net. Uh, as, as the days go on, inflammation subsides in that shoulder. And so with each additional scan that you do, you can see a little more. And, and so all that is, is to not say, Hey, maybe he can come back and play. That, that's not the point. The point is let's get all the available information Let's make sure all of the cards are on the table before we decide how to proceed. It does not mean, oh, hey, he might come back. I have, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they have the time. They have the ability to do this, so they're doing it. And that's where they're at right now. So if that timeline turns into 10 days or two weeks, you know, that's certainly possible, too, because they're going to take all the time that they can, and that's how they're proceeding on this. Steven, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but are you under the impression that a surgery, whatever, let's just call it at the end of October, would lead to Anthony Richardson being full go for the entire spring offseason program? I don't know the exact timeline on that. I, I got that impression that, that he, I mean, look, would they, would they be cautious with him in the spring? Probably. You know, would he be out there for OTAs? I have no idea. But yeah, It's about it, six it months of, away. Yeah. But but it would there, there's plenty of time. I mean, I it, I would say this: um, if the Colts went now, this is a super super hypothetical thing, right? But but if there was a scenario where the Colts went on a playoff run, for example, and he had had the surgery uh, in the coming weeks, there is a scenario where he could even be in play to to maybe come back, you know, for like a, a Super Bowl run. I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm I think that's going to happen. I'm just giving you kind of an idea of, of what the timeline is. That, that it's, it's theoretical that that could happen. Theoretical. That's different than saying absolute. And we of all people should know this, right? <laughs> right. We of all people should know that. Amen to that. Theoretical. Okay? So, so let me be very, 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 very clear about that. But anyhow, I, I think, as I said ultimately, or earlier, I should say, all of this is being driven by what is best for Anthony in the long term, and I personally am very happy to hear that because, you know, this can't be about like, hey, how soon can we get him back? Even though that's tempting. Look, I would much rather watch the Colts with Anthony Richardson under center. Okay? Much rather. But I also understand what it is. We all understand what this means and, and his importance to the franchise. Stephen Holder with us here from ESPN.com. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. It's a Wednesday on the fan. Okay, this is probably a stupid question, KB. So I apologize to KB and, and you, Stephen, on this. But I don't know. I mean, it's like I just wonder what Ursay's thinking, you know, they, John, they give Jonathan Taylor the contract, and a lot of that is because, hey, we're a better team than what we thought. And then the very next day, Anthony Richardson gets hurt, and the two have, what, one snap together? John, Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson have one snap together. If I'm not saying Ursay didn't, you know, which is maybe buyer's remorse giving the deal to JT, but, you know, part of that had to be as well, hey, we have a chance to kind of go with this, and we need Taylor in there, and then Richardson goes down, and it's just, it's just a streak of bad luck. I guess 
that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if the story I just tweeted out it captures it perfectly. Ursay said to me, he said, the very first quote in the story is, is there no mercy from the football guy? I'm looking at it right now, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. I mean, listen – if you need somebody to capture what you're trying to say, call Jim Mercy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, because he gives I mean, the money out. He gives the contracts out. Yeah, he's I'm feeling it. You, no question. Like, I mean, can you imagine? You know, he's sitting there watching watching this play out, and he's just, you know, the, the first thing his mind goes to is like, not the shoulder, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I get it, man. It's it, You're not wrong. They definitely felt like, you know, this team – yeah, you know, look, I don't know what the upside of the team was or what the ceiling was with Anthony Richardson playing all season. I have no idea, but we know that it's higher than it is now and that and that he was certainly improving from week to week so that it, it, the ceiling might even be higher later than it is now, right? And so they it was a, a motivating factor or at least a factor in getting uh, Jonathan Taylor signed. There's no doubt about that. They owned it, it was starting to come together. They saw – the bigger picture. And sometimes you have to kind of see that and understand, you know, what it takes to, to get where you want to go. So to, to see it all sort of fall apart to some extent, it's painful. It, it was very, very painful. And yeah, that's just, the, it's unbelievable. Breaks, but man, that's tough. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Steven Holder with us, I guess just as a follow-up, I was going to ask you, what is the season now? You know, me and KB have been talking about so much has been into, Hey, this Anthony Richardson and finding out about him and everything else. Yep. Uh, and then on top of it, Minshew, he could have been just jacked up going back to Jacksonville, but he was so bad, not giving the team a chance to win and, and the defense had issues, but you throw in Minshew's just poor performance on Sunday. Uh, what is the season now? for this team what are they now kind of going forward with injuries and suspensions and boy they need to beat the Cleveland Browns to stop the bleeding on Sunday it would help certainly but it will not be easy I mean that is a they're on a historic pace defensively the the Browns are but anyhow I, I would say for now because they are three and three for now they still feel like and and this is something I talked to Ursay about I mean they still feel like they're in the fight and they are I mean three and three puts you in the mix the problem is you know you you already are 500 so you don't have a ton of room for or a ton of margin for error and now your your circumstances have changed dramatically so they're talking in an optimistic way and and i think we know that they still have the ability to win games uh, but it's gotten much much harder i mean they you know, they won that Baltimore game without Anthony Richardson, but that was a fight, okay? That was a fight. And you're not going to win most games, you know, where you settle for, what, I believe, five field goals. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to win most of those games. That that does not happen in the NFL generally. So it, it, that was a tough way to go. And then you saw on, on Sunday, while they, they generated a lot of yards, the turnovers were killers. And that's not necessarily – the, the kind of game I expect from, from Gardner Minshew in terms of the turnovers. But, but the, the thing is, teams have never, teams generally try not to ask him to do so much because that's not really his game, it's to kind of carry the team. So that's not what you want from him. So that, that's the thing. They've got to play a perfect game every week. And by that, I mean they've got to be able to run the ball and they've got to play stout defense every single week. There's no margin for error. 
Stephen, just to put a bow tie on it all, and appreciate this time here on this Wednesday morning. Going back to the Richardson story, uh, is it safe to say basically the Colts have, you know, they've done their findings, they feel like surgery is the best option, and Richardson now his camp just needs to make sure that they agree with that, I guess, and then all of a sudden we move forward with surgery. Is that kind of where we're at? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it that way. I would say it's more collaborative. I, I think the indications so far have been, and this is what Ursay is speaking to, the indications so far have suggested that surgery is where this is going. However, they're not making a final decision, either party. They're not making a final decision until they have to, or at least until they feel like they have um, all of the available information. And, and as I said earlier, as that inflammation in the shoulder subsides, you get a better picture of what's happening in there. So, is there a scenario where there's a different outcome? There is. Yes, there is. But it, it doesn't seem likely. But because the decision is not made, a final decision has not yet been made, we have to leave the door open for another outcome. I'm not expecting it. Jamerce is not expecting it. And and I don't think Richardson's camp is anticipating that either from my conversations. But But again, the door is open just because there's no rush to make the decision. So let's take our time. Let's get it right. And, and make sure everybody's on the same page. I don't think this is necessarily where the ball's in, in Anthony's court and they're waiting for a decision. Hmm. I, I think collectively this will be a this will be a collective decision. I believe that. Again, Stevens latest how Andrew Luck's injury influences Anthony Richardson's treatment that is up on ESPN.com. Steven, thank you very much for the time. Hey, you got it, guys. That's Stephen Holder right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Good I know stuff. We touched yeah. on it a little bit there, but um, you know, I, I've always said with the Lux situation, and, you know, to be fair, Chris Boward wasn't a part of the decision-making with Andrew Luck's initial injury. He obviously felt the ramifications on that. Um, Jim Irsay certainly was a part of it. But as, you know, Steven said, you know, Andrew Luck went his first three seasons in the NFL, and he didn't suffer a single injury. He gets to week three of that 2015 season. Jarrell Casey of the Titans, big defensive tackle, hits him in the pocket. Um, he gets hurt. He misses the next two weeks. They bring him back to play, and he plays the rest of that 2015 season. He did miss some time due to a lacerated kidney, but you know, shoulder wasn't the issue why he decided to sit out. After that 2015 season, they had a decision to make, surgery or rehab. They elected to go rehab. What that meant, though, was 2016 did not look anything like what Andrew Luck was used to in terms of weekly prep. He would not throw on Thursdays every single week leading into those games. He played pretty much the entire 2016 season, but again, didn't have his normal sort of Monday through Saturday. After 2016, they elected for surgery. We know how that went. He missed the 2017 season. He's in the Netherlands, et cetera, et cetera, and... I think that is a little bit of the PTSD regret that you're seeing right here. It's Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Yeah, reminder, 9 o'clock hour, hanging out in the drivehuber.com studio. You miss any of the show, catch it up at the Podcast Center. Also, reminder, you can take us anywhere. I think the promo says from Indonesia to Indiana. You can catch us uh, streaming 1075thefan.com. I wonder what the meat in Indonesia is like in terms of having an anabolic agent in it. I tell you what, uh, I would like if I would like for that to be the story. I would love Grover Stewart to say he ate tainted meat. <laughs> that, that would add to it. That would add intrigue. I would actually maybe feel bad for him. Traveling to China hey, part chef. is what really got yeah, me. Yeah, I don't think people that, are. I don't in, think people are doing that uh, too much anymore. I don't think that's the case. Uh, obviously, the game coming up on Sunday: Colts and Browns. Our pregame coverage. JMV will begin things there at nine o'clock. We'll have the call of the game with Maytay and company, and then all the postgame stuff with uh, with Rake, and we'll have you covered all day right here on the Fan. Uh, all right, let's jump out to the Payless Liquors Hot. Zach Jackson joins us from The Athletic. He follows the Cleveland Browns there. Zach, good morning. How are you today, sir? Uh, I'm all right. Um, it's a wild roller coaster ride these Brown seasons, and uh, we're headed to Indy, one of my favorite places. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, good deal. Oh, what what yeah. do you love about yeah, Indy? Yeah, Zach? What do you love about Indy? Come on, tell us. Uh, that when you're there in February, you don't have to go outside. <laughs> oh, amen uh, to that. Amen to that. One of them. Um, there's there's a long list. There's there's good restaurants, good folks. I've always had good experiences. Well, oh, good. Are you and James? You and James Boyd gonna go out and, and crush the town maybe on Saturday night or crush anything? Or what's happening? You know? uh, I don't know. I think James is a little young for me. I think I will sit inside of my sweatpants and watch some college football. Yeah, I was gonna say, sounds like I, us. If I was hanging out with James's age group, I'd probably be on the IR for about four weeks after that. Uh, Zach, thank you for the time here on this Wednesday morning. I, I was saying a little bit ago, it's like the Indianapolis Colts connections with so many Browns. I do want to get to that. Uh, but I would remiss if I didn't ask for a quarterback update. I'm sure this has endlessly been on your mind for the last couple of weeks. First practice of the week for the Browns. Are we expecting Deshaun Watson to participate? Yeah, you had me on, and I'm going to participate in making it really bad radio. I have no idea. Um, I There's been varying reports, um, me just kind of judging the temperature. I, I kind of lean yes, but I'm not sure. Um, it's been very bizarre. Um, Kevin Stefanski said the wrong thing early in terms of public perception, at least. And, um, you know, I think they really thought he was going to play in week four, and he didn't. And, of course, they felt let down and disappointed by that. So now you fast forward all the way to the beginning of week seven, and I don't know. And um, it's it's strange. I mean, they called P.J. Walker up from the practice squad to start a game, and they beat the 49ers, <laughs> right? So, um you know, if he is out there, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play because you're dealing with a throwing shoulder that's worth a lot of money, right? Uh, I think they want him to play. I think he needs to practice, certainly, because uh, he only has played one good game, and the offense has really only played one good game, but they haven't needed to because of the defense. So uh, I don't know, and I think maybe it's probably a situation until we get into tomorrow afternoon, Friday morning, um, as far as clarity 
you know, on, on is he going to play even if he's out there today. So the bizarre nature of it would come from he did practice in week four, right? And then he got to the end of the week and he's like, yeah, I um, can't give it a go. He was out on the practice field. He wasn't practicing. But got every it, expectation it, was that he was going to play on Sunday. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. They, they thought it was a one-week in, one injury and possibly like a four-day injury. Now it's a four-week minimum mm. injury. Well, yeah, and, and there was a bye week. And so I was like, I'll rest him for the bye week. He'll be back, and then he's not practicing. And then all of that gets overshadowed, even though P.J. Walker wasn't any good. Uh, you know, it all gets shadowed with the win over the Niners. I guess just in general, uh, we know the drama that came with Deshaun Watson and then the contract and how that really set the market and other teams and other owners you know, didn't like what the Cleveland Browns did with Deshaun Watson, and then they go out there and they beat the Niners with P.J. Walker, who you know threw for a buck ninety-two and two touchdowns and a QBR of twenty-four. And there was a narrative, you know, I saw a lot nationally of, well, do the Browns have buyer's remorse, given that they can win games, you know, by running the ball in the defense, and they don't need a quarterback making you know forty million dollars a year. I guess what is the read of? Watson, him on the team, him not being very good, uh, but taking up a lot of the salary cap, and then you go win a game with P.J. Walker. What is that conversation like right now in Cleveland? Well, they needed to win the game last week because of just everything that was swirling, right, and because they had flat-out given the game away before the bye week. Um, they can win with defense, but they needed to do this because they're trying to win the Super Bowl, right? They're, they're trying to change – what they've done, and they looked around the AFC and they said, we don't have a quarterback who can keep up. And so there is a question of whether they have a quarterback who can keep up. I mean, he's played nine games here, guys. He's played like 12 good quarters. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can easily excuse a lot of it, right? Let's look at what's going on. Uh, and then, you know, you can look into right now and say that the maybe the most disappointing part of it is he finally played his best game as a Brown and now hasn't thrown a ball in three weeks. So um, it's it's been a whirlwind. It has been disappointing. There's no way to judge it as success. And there's nothing you've seen him do that could make you think that this that he can push the Browns to where. But he he ha, he is talented. He has produced in the past and they have put what is clearly the best defense in the league right now around him. So is there time to grow? Is there time to improve? Should they beat Gardner Minshew? Yes. Over the next month they play Kenny Pickett. Josh Dobbs, Russell Wilson, like can they sputter along and then eventually hit the gas in December? Yeah, it's a pretty good team, but you know every week's an adventure, every week's a roller coaster, and if they don't play absolutely outstanding defense, then they can lose to anybody just like the Niners lost to them last week. Yeah, obviously the Colts have seen Watson mm-hmm. firsthand, kind of carry a Texans team at different times. Again, Zach Jackson at Akron Jackson on Twitter. Uh, he covers the Browns for The Athletic. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I mentioned earlier the Indy Connections. was hoping you could share a little bit more. It seems like Dewan Jones, the Ben Davis product, who we all loved watching play basketball here locally in high school, mm-hmm. um, has done a nice job at right tackle, filling in for Jack Conklin. Um, and then David Bell, not a whole lot of NFL success so far out at wideout. Uh, no, but they David Bell wins the game for him last week. Yeah, he had a big play and, in fourth down, right? Yeah, and he threw a block on Fred Warner on the touchdown run, too. Uh, he had a big play on fourth down. Now, it's the only big play he's made, but but, but he did. Um, then there's Bubba Ventrone, right? <laughs> um, there's Anthony Walker, who's probably not going to play. But DeJuan Jones, um, gosh, is he a physical freak. The dancing bear. really well. <laughs> he's playing really well, and – 
he's not a finished product and he's not an exceptional player yet, but he might be. And let me tell you guys, he's pissed that the Colts didn't take him. So um, <laughs> great. I'm sure Colts fans yeah. love hearing that with the drama yeah. they've had this week. Sure. Add another yeah. thing, Zach, uh, yeah, onto the like ledger. Six eight, three hundred and seventy four pound individual <laughs> pissed at anybody. Yeah, he's um you know, the idea was to redshirt him, right? Because he is just just so big and it's so different and it's not been a, a perfect ride. Uh, but he has competed with the Nick Bosa's and TJ Watts of the world. And you, you know, if you're going to beat him, you have to do it with, with blitzes that confuse him and, and get guys out of position, including the guys next to him. If you just pass rush him and he gets his hands on you, nobody beats him. And you, and there's film out there. Brian Baldinger on Twitter has been great. He's a huge fan and has shown what he's done to the TJ Watts and Nick Bosa's when he's got in his hands. So yeah, the Browns are super pleased and drafting has been a big issue with the Browns specifically later on and in, in trying to add depth that, that a team that's a real contender would need and to get him in the fourth round. I mean, he looks like he's going to be their right tackle forever. And he's, he's a starting quality one right now, just, you know, four starts into his career. Zach Jackson with us, covers the Browns for the Athletic on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, this is an open-ended question. I mean, I, I, obviously the names of Miles Garrett, uh, you know, specifically Zedarius Smith. I covered him in college. A uh, heck of a player as well. They jump off the page, but, you know, this defense <laughs> has a lot of thousand yards, Zach. I mean, it's unbelievable watching them. The best defense right now in the NFL. The Jets might try to challenge you for that. Simply put, what makes this defense so great right now? Why are they playing so they, well? Yeah, they don't get blocked, and that travels, right? So they just are in your backfield all the time, and they're aggressive all the time. So there's ways to counter that. You can beat them to the edge, and you can run the misdirection, and you can sprint your quarterback out. Um, you know, they have given up some plays, but they have consistently lived in the backfield. And Miles Garrett is so good that nobody can single block him. So he kind of changes the whole scheme, the whole thinking of your quarterback, your coordinator, your left tackle, your extra tight end that has to play. They've just flown around. You know, they have Jeremiah Wosukormo, a third-year guy who had an up-and-down first couple years. His, his good moments were good, but he couldn't stay healthy. Um, he's been awesome. Um, Denzel Ward, who's always been one of the best corners in the league, is playing at his highest level. Second-year corner, Martin Emerson, is playing incredible. So, um, yeah, it's just – it's fast and it's upfield all the time. And so for the Colts are going to have to use both running backs and, you know, run it right at them to kind of keep them on their toes. And then, you you know, you got to get everybody involved. The ball's got to come out quickly. And you got to block um, because they just are getting downhill on you. I mean – when they finally ran into Lamar Jackson and they finally and they ran into Brock Port Purdy and the Niners at full strength for a little bit, they were able to give them fits. But when they've played bad quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, who's awesome, but he was on one leg, Kenny Pickett, they have absolutely destroyed them. And that's why they've given up a thousand yards in five games. Those are like high school numbers. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible what they've done, and, and without a bunch of takeaways. I mean, they just beat you up series after series after series. Again, Zach Jackson from The Athletic with us here. Zach, last one, and this is probably the first interview you've ever done where we've asked you two questions about the special teams coordinator, <laughs> but Bubba Ventrone was a head coaching candidate here in Indianapolis. Frankly, I thought he should have been the interim head coach, um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Shane Steichen had interest in keeping him on the staff uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Kevin Stefanski give him like, I don't know, assistant head coaching title? I mean, I know he's got some ties kind of to that area, more of a PA guy than anything, but, uh, was there any like 
I don't know. We're, we're going to give you more money and or we're going to give you that assistant head coach title here in Cleveland. Yeah, he did get that title. Uh, okay. He played for the Browns, you know, during his playing career. Right. Um, he knew Kevin Stefanski, you know, kind of through the circles. And the, the Browns wanted to make a move at special teams coach. And I don't think Kevin was ready to do it. The old guy had been a friend of his for a long time. He had been a holdover from the previous staff here. Um, it just was a matter of timing. And when the Colts went through the transition they and Bubba didn't get the job, um, they just kind of made that offer. And, and I think he slept on and he came, he's done well. So, you know, they drafted a kicker a year ago and that was a flop. And that was kind of the story of the summer. Um, but the special teams played really well in the Niners last week. I mean, guys, they were really fortunate to win against the Niners, but it wasn't a fluke. You know what I mean? Like the defense was that good and the offense and the special teams were not perfect, but they were enough. Like, the Browns are a good team. I don't know that they're a real contender, and I certainly think that they could lay an egg on Sunday, especially if it's P.J. Walker or if Watson's not there. But this defense is really good, and Amari Cooper is really good, and the coaching staff is is pretty good. So um, they're they're looking to get hot, and I know the Colts are embarrassed and kind of teetering, you know, with with what they got going on. But the Browns are are a load, um, so I, I'm interested to see if they can handle success and come in and win a game, you know, that I think they probably should. So because they that that's kind of been their thing is they can't get over that hump. So this week provides them another opportunity after they got one last week. The over under is thirty nine. This is for you too, KB. The winning team on Sunday has how many points? Oh, I've said first seventeen. First 16? one to hit the yeah. teens. First one to hit puberty, Zach. Do, do we get to twenty? <laughs> Yeah, no, the Browns have played every under except for the Monday night game, and that was two defensive touchdowns that pushed it over. Okay, good good to know. They play a certain way. Good and to I'm know. You, they, they live in the quarterback and play caller's head because you cannot just drop your guy back and let him get blasted by Miles Garrett and those guys. Like They they change everything, and, and that includes like how you have to sometimes just run and punt, right? And um, if they have P.J. Walker, then they want to run and punt, too. So, yeah. <laughs> Boy, nothing like a ring endorsement yeah. to get entertainment value get inside of the Lucas Oil, Oil Stadium. <laughs> well, we know Zach Jackson likes Indy, so we, we we like him already. Zach, great stuff this morning, man. I appreciate you hopping on with us, and uh, safe travels down here. Thanks, guys. The Akron, at Akron Jackson. I like that Twitter name. For who Zach else, Jackson Who else is here? from Akron? Isn't there somebody else? Brian Windhorst, uh, right? Was it Brian Windhorst? Yeah, that's who it was. The only two people mm. that I can think of. Was Romeo Travis? Was that LeBron's <laughs> high school teammate who went to Akron? Oh, boy, that's Akron, a name. Maybe. That's a name. Drew that's, Joyce, was that his point guard? Boy, that's a name. Look at you. Uh, the Dewan Jones comment I found interesting. You know, the, the Dewan Jones story. 